Yeehaw! The South will rise again. This week, we're taking a visit to a small town in the Deep South, where these town folks still hold a serious grudge and just can't seem to let the Civil War go. Trust me when I say their brand of Southern hospitality is something you do not want to experience. We watched 2,000 Maniacs. We watched it so you don't have to. So you know what time it is. What's up, Moon Goons? Yeehaw! This is Horrible Horror, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. I'm your host, Marshall Hampton. I have 99 problems, but a co-host ain't one of them. Aaron, <laughs> how are you doing today? Boy, did you call that a yeehaw? <laughs> yeehaw! Come on now. <laughs> and the 99, I should, I can't fuck that up anyway. It doesn't matter, but 99, this is the episode 99! Nine! 99. Nine. Next, uh, next week, triple next, digits, baby. Yeah, next week's the big 100 celebration. Anyway, this week, like I said, uh, 99, uh, we did a little movie called 2000 Maniacs. Going back Way in back. time. As, as annoying Chris Berman would go back, 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 back. And he would just keep going because he's annoying. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we're going back to 1964 with 64. this. 64. 64. Uh, so yeah, this, March 20th of 1964 to be exact, uh, written and directed by Herschel Gordon Lewis. He is also known as the godfather of gore. Apparently, uh, this guy actually used to be a college English teacher before he went into movie making. Uh, he has 38 credits as director, including such classic sixties gore, what you no know, gore genre, what they would be called at the time movies called blood feast, color me blood red monster, a go, go, a taste of blood, the wizard of gore. The Gore Gore Girls and Blood Feast 2, All You Can Eat. <laughs> Don't nice. some of his movies. He was also he's also a producer with 25 credits, an actor, 24 credits, writer, 23 credits, and a cinematographer with 21 credits, amongst other things. And he actually just recently passed away back in 2016. Oh. So well. long, big, big, uh, big long career, very man of many hats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh as far as the cast goes, we're, I'm just mentioning three people out of this cast. And probably, I mean, nobody. I don't anybody's gonna even know who these people are this generation and our listeners, but let's talk about it anyway. First, we have Tom. Uh, I'm sorry, William Kerwin, who plays Tom White. Uh, he's 138 credits to his career, so again, he might have been a known actor at, in, during this time period, uh, or at least a steady character actor. I mean, he that's right. a very steady career. Um, now we also have Connie Mason, who's kind of star of the show. She plays Terry Adams. She's got 32 credits. Um, she was also in Blood Feast, which we, I just mentioned, which mm-hmm. came out a year before this movie. And her big claim to fame is that she was the Playboy Playmate of the Month for June 1963. 1963. Yes. And finally, <laughs> God. Finally, we have Jeffrey Allen, who plays Mayor Buckman. Now, he's only had eight credits, eight movie credits, but four of those eight are all Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. So, nice. again, he, he's somebody who went, kept using the same talent over and over again uh, to make it, you know, 
making stuff go. Just being over-the-top good old boy. Good old bo- oh, the accents in this movie are so thick and over-the-top. It, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. They're so... Just... Like, all these people are from California, and they're just trying their hardest to be as hillbilly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where it's so, <laughs> it's so annoying. It's, like, it's almost, in, like, just enraging. Like, it's, god damn, I hate but it But they so just, much. they, all these quote-unquote hillbillies have such perfect teeth. <laughs> yep. You know, and look, just look a little too clean. You know? Yeah. Except, for like, the two stooges. Everybody else is, like, spotless and clean and, and mm-hmm. yeah. Um so speaking of the two stooges, we actually open with the the two southern hillbilly uh, stooges tricking northern Yankees into taking a bogus detour, basically. Um, we have one of them that's up in a tree with binoculars, and he's spotting the cars with license plates from northern states. While he's letting the cars with southern license plates just pass by without, with, with, you know, without anything. Um, the other guy, stooge number two, I guess, or whatever, he hides in a ditch alongside the road, and he runs out. Uh, and places a fake detour sign in the road, which looks like it was made by a 12-year-old. Rufus and Lester. Yeah, I don't remember which one's which. I just call them the two stooges. Rufus stooges is up in the tree with the binoculars. Okay. And Lister is the one with the detour sign. All righty. You know, and if I do this in a southern accent, it's going to take forever to get through this yeah. podcast. Because they do like to talk slow. Yeah, it will, I don't know if stooges talk really they talk pretty fast. Everybody else is kind of slow. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, a classic Southern accent is a slow... Yeah, like molasses slow. melt in your mouth. So my line. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyway, these two stooges, they act like fucking imbeciles. I gotta say that. Like, the one on the street, whichever one he is, he's, like, dancing around and hooting high and throwing, waving his hat up in the air. Like, it's someone you'd see almost like a cartoon, like a caricature. Of a southern, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, he's got his hands together. He's like cheering. He's like, "All right, I got him, oh boy!" And like, do they jump in the air and like click his heels or something? Yeah. (laughs) What? Why? Who acts like that? But again, this is 1964. I know, but you know, it's weird. Like we just got out of the 50s, you know, and we we're we're still (laughs) having quite grasped that counterculture revolution of the 60s. We're still kind of white bread America, you know. It's like the, the change is happening, but with movies, it really didn't happen a lot. Yeah. But this is the type of movie that helped help with other part, like help counterculture in a way. You know, I mean, with all the gore, with all the, you know, it's because yeah. it still had the elements of, you know, cookie cutter 1950s style, but then they threw in this gore as well. So it's really, it's, it's a kind of interesting piece of uh, cinema. Yeah. I, it's one of, I was going to talk about that kind of at the end, but. Um... It's one of these kind of wanted to like you said we're about to hit our one hundred episode so we you know we're looking forward big so but you gotta look in the past the time you gotta look back and check something out so I wanted to go way back and just kind of you know see what it was like back then and, and see if they would hold up and, and this one just looked ridiculous yeah uh, so like we, we you know we, we we're gonna try it you know we try something different hey we gave it a whirl give it a whirl um so anyway uh. This opening scene goes on for a while, like the, the, in the trees waving. You know. Well, there's this crazy banjo hillbilly song playing. Oh god, this hill. Okay, I know during Carver we we talked about Turkey and the Straw being got off annoying, which it was. This song might get make even be even worse. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. These two are like one A one B for the most annoying songs I've ever heard in my life, and both of them, goddamn, got stuck in my head for days. Uh, it's called "The South Will Rise Again," and it's all bands like yeah. And the South will rise, rise again. again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, Robert E. Lee broke a rifle over his knee. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And the South will rise. Yee-haw! 
it's so annoying. Dude, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song. I mean, I, <laughs> I hated it's it. It's so freaking catchy. And they have several different verses. They just like they, they do different verses of the same songs. Like, it, so it's oh I hate it. And so it just when they do that yeehaw, it's so like ear piercing. It's like, yeah. oh god, yeah. it yeah. hurts. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not like <laughs> someone who's like banging the drum for the South Rise again. But goddamn, that's a catchy tune. Those races sure are catchy. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie, there's not a single black person or a purple oh. car in this movie oh, at all. Hell no. It's, it's like a black man's worst nightmare. Yeah. Not one. Not even a northern Yankee. Just, uh, anyway, let's get back to the movie. So, like I said, this opening scene is way too long. Um, they play the credits over it. And uh, I got to say, there's one thing I couldn't help but notice. There's a shot of Stooge number one up in the tree. He's looking through a binoculars at a car, and he, the show license plate, and it's actually uh, an Illinois license plate, Land Lincoln. But when you see it, the car is actually driving away from him, but then the very next shot, the car is driving towards them so they can fake him out with the detour sign. It was like, that's just bad. That was bad editing or uh, bad I, camera I actually didn't. There. I didn't notice. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, the first car is filled with two married couples, and they, they're they detoured off into the, the trick area. You know, and uh, so... They enter. I'm kind of this first part. I'm just like I'm a little, a little helter skelter on. Like it gets a little complicated. So bear with me here. Uh, I might have jibbled up my notes a bit, but so the first car kind of arrives in town, and they're swarmed by the townsfolk, and they're screaming, hooting, hollering, running alongside the car, and they're all, and they're all waving, waving Confederate, Confederate flags, more Confederate flags than you I've can, ever seen in my life. You know choke a rebel with I, mean, it, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense but it's choke just it's it's so many confederate yeah. flags i mean good god it's like the the generally from dukes of hazard yeah. had a wet dream just, exactly boom, yeah, yeah that's a great way to see. They're, every, they're all or there's this just covered, covered in the, in the and they're also flag. swinging around nooses nooses it's mostly kids it's not, I see, all the adults had flags. The kids were running around like little nooses, like they were toys. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, that's your first idea. Something's, yeah. something's wrong here. Like, if I see a bunch of white people swinging Confederate flags and swinging <laughs> nooses around <laughs> in a southern town, I'm like pretty white, man. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I don't even have like a drop of Indian in me, but I'm still just like, get the, me the fuck out of here. Yeah. So uh, as as you mentioned earlier, uh, during this thing, the, the, that song that you hear is actually being played by two townsfolk just walking around town with a guitar and a banjo singing. And the banjo player, to me, just looks super creepy. Like, he has this look of him. He just looked like an old-time, like, child molester. He's dead in the eyes. Yeah, he's like he's like the child molesting serial killer. He's, like, real quiet, unassuming guy. But you just know he's got, like, body parts in his fridge. <laughs> he, he's just it's just, he's weird looking. Um so another thing we see during this opening part is that this one kid kills a cat, just grabs a cat, black cat, puts a noose on it, puts and a noose just around kills it. the cat. And then he starts like dragging it behind him as he's running through town or something like that. And just, this is the beginning of the movie. Yeah, this is all the beginning. Uh, and the cat has a sign tied to its tail that says "Damn Yankee." So again, this, so that's a northern cat. Uh, oh, yeah, apparently he's a northern cat. Mind you, also the cat is black. <laughs> it is a black. I did say it's a black cat. <laughs> oh my god, that is horrible. Yeah. so horrible. <laughs> so, um, the Stooges, we see them redirect another car into the town. Uh, this one is the one that has our stars Terry Adams 
and uh, uh, the pretty blonde woman, and Tom White, who is a school teacher she just picked up who was hitchhiking because his car broke down or something. So I find this interesting. The uh, writer-director of this movie was a school teacher himself yes. prior to becoming a gore you know, icon. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, huh. it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess he sees a little bit of himself in, in this character. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's, that's, a, that's good on you. A little that's, bit of insight. That's a little some bit. insight right there. A little yeah. bit. Just I like a, that. Just a nugget for you. I like that. All right. All right. So, again, uh, just like before, they, they, they drive into town. They're, they're greeted by everybody. Um, now, the couple in the first car, like I said, they're surrounded by town folks. The mayor shows up, and the mayor, part of me just wants to call him the colonel or somebody. He, he's, like, in this gray suit, the bow tie, big white cowboy hat, big old belly. He's, like, and he's got the most over-the-top accent of all of them except for maybe the stooges and he is just i don't know i just want to call him the colonel he's kind of like boss hog y- yes he's a lot like boss hog from uh dukes of hazard yeah there you go you Thank know you. he's just we're welcome everybody <laughs> we're in pleasantville <laughs> uh pleasant valley oh pleasant valley my mistake yeah um so the mayor started he's talking to me he's welcoming them all to town um while harper is one of the town folk he starts like petting and playing with the hair of one of the women, the women in the back seat, just which is creeping itself. I was like, perfect sure to just come up to you and start like playing with your hair while you're sitting in a car surrounded by strangers. He's like a corn-fed big boy with a rope he, belt. Yeah, the rope belt. But he's also supposed to be like the like the town stud. Like he's yeah, he's yeah, the, yeah. the heartthrob of the town, mm. but he wears a rope belt. <laughs> um, so. Uh, and what's even weirder is that she does nothing to stop him. She's just like, lets it, like, looks at him like, lets it happen. Like, yeah, she kind of flirts back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and her husband is sitting right next to her. He's watching this. It's so well, we'll get into that later. But their yeah. relationship, we're going to have a conversation about yeah. later. Um, so the mayor tells the group that it's the town's big centennial celebration that they're uh, um, that they're having. And, you know, it's going on now. And tells the group that all they're the special guests of honor. Uh, and it basically has them removed from the car. Um, now, some of the Northerners, you know, I'm, I think I, I skipped some here. So um, they're hooting and hollering. The kids swing their nooses around. Um, only like one of the guys seems a little bit confused by this. Like, wait a minute, what's going yeah, on like here? He, he seems a little perturbed by all this. Yeah. But everyone else is like, all right, sure. Uh, Guess about her. Yeah, he's like, we're gonna put you in the best hotels. We're gonna put give you the finest food. Yeah, next two days they get mm. free room board, best food, and entertainment. Um, now in comes uh, the the second car, the red car, Terry and Tom, and basically the same thing repeats. The mm. same thing happens. Exact happened. same thing. Uh, they're carried off somewhere. You carried off on like their shoulders, like this one, a game winning touchdown, and everybody's <laughs> hooting and hollering. Um, so uh, the the guests are like, "Hey, what are you celebrating?" He's like, "Oh, it doesn't matter what we're celebrating. It's the celebrations that is what matters, not what it is." Um, now the Stooges we saw they come back, and like I said, Aaron said Lester and Rufus or something like that. Uh, again, I don't know which one's which, nor do I care. Um, <laughs> but we find out that there's a big barbecue plan for tonight. That's the big first, the big event of the, the centennial is the big barbecue. Uh, Tom at this point speaks up and says that uh, he's sorry, but he and Terry have to be going. <laughs> Getting on, they can't stay. Um, one of the students starts to whine and like kind of throw a temper tantrum about this. And the mayor says, "You can't leave. It's only two days. Come on, you know, you, you know, you're fine." Um, and he go- tells Tom that he can send his people a wire, let him know that he'll be two days late to the teachers' convention in, in Atlanta. And he's like, "You know what? We'll even pay for it ourselves." Mm-hmm. Well, we'll pay for you to lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, the guests are all carried off and ushered to the town's hotel where they're going to be staying for their, for their visit here. 
Uh, now the Stooges and the mayor, they stay behind to talk, and the mayor tells them to get ready for the big barbecue and asks them which one of the guests do they want. And the Stooges say they want the big busted blonde girl who was uh, the one that the guy was flirting with in the back. Patting of the, the hair. Yeah, yeah. patting the hair. Uh, the mayor tells them that the wife seems to like Harper, and her husband was eyeing Betsy, this other girl, talented. So they're going to have Betsy entertain the husband while Harper takes the wife on a walk to get her ready for the barbecue. So right off the bat, you know, I mean, in the whole time they're just like, "Oh, the barbecue!" <laughs> like they just can't stop hee-hawing yeah, about I, this that's barbecue. My very next though is that not just the barbecue, but these guys, the, the the mayor and the Stooges, and then basically Harper and Betsy, they're kind of major townsfolk yeah. that you see throughout the movie. They can't stop fucking laughing. They laugh at like the end of every sentence they say, like it's the funniest thing ever. It's like a really annoying. Thing. It's like when you have two people in a room who can't stop laughing like an inside joke that's just between them and everybody else is like, what the hell? But they won't stop laughing about it. But it's so obvious. I know it's so obvious. It's but just it, so obvious what they're hee-hawing about. Yeah, but it's so annoying because like ev- throughout the entire movie, yeah, yeah. this shtick doesn't end. Like We know what's going on. As an artist, we know what's, we, we, yeah. you catch on real quick of what's going to happen. But they just keep like, ha ha, like doing that little elbow, wink, 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 nudge, wink, nudge, and then yeah. laughing up a storm after everything they say. It's obnoxiously annoying, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I hated it. So anyway, we cut to Tom and Terry, and the married couple is Dave and Betty Wells, and then John and B. Miller. They're all looking out their hotel window at the exact same time, which is odd. Uh, and then Beverly tells Dave that this seems weird, like it's Halloween or something. At this point, the movie turns into like an episode of laughing. For those of you who might actually remember what that show was, uh, kids ask your parents or your grandparents uh, because they, <laughs> or Marshall or me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because they, they're remember these guys are up at least in the second or third floor of this hotel room. Windows they come inside, close the windows behind closed doors. But yet, so Betty's like or Beverly's like, I hey, see so like Halloween or something, and then they cut down to the street. On the street outside the building, we see Harper and Betsy talking, and Betsy, they can magically hear what they're saying because Betsy looks straight into the camera, like breaks the fourth wall and says, this is better than Halloween, (laughs) and starts laughing like a retard, and then we go back to B and John, and B says, this is like John C. Calhoun's version of Trick or Treat, again, a lot of references to things people aren't going to know, but John C. Calhoun, for any of you who don't know, was a big-time Southern politician uh, he was known for his strong defense of slavery and advancing the concept of minority rights in politics. And he was the seventh vice president of the United States from 1825 to 1832. I did not know that. So there you go. There's right. your educational moment for the week. Anyway, so after she says, like, John C. Calhoun's version of Trick or Treat, we go back to Harper, uh, who again, looks right at the camera yep. and says, we're going to provide the tricks. They're going to provide the treat. And, of course, they start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. What? How are they hearing them? Like on the street when they're there's no. It's just so fucking weird. And then they, the fact they're looking right in the camera when they right, say it's this. The fact that they're looking in the camera, like if they were like kind of standing underneath them and kind of hee hawing back and forth. But it's the fourth wall breaking that makes it just that extra weirdness. Kind of like what you mentioned yeah. with like the laughing kind yeah. of thing. I'm waiting for like Goldie Hawn to come by. Yeah. Or or, and, but Carol this is all, all like the. <laughs> One and only time that it happens. I don't think. Yeah, they, yeah. So it's not like they repeat. It's like a one and done thing, which makes it even weirder that there's no. It's so odd. Like I can't. I don't it's like get in it. Pork chop too, and they broke into song. For yeah, no reason. For no reason. Yeah. Exactly. Great. It's like why do they do this? Like, huh? Um. So I'm just like, 
what the fuck is happening because like i said i don't know how they're hearing them on the street side when they're two three stories up in a private room it and and again the wide change in film styles i i don't get it um so we go back to b and bia or b and john who at this point i think they're swingers i really think they're swingers because <laughs> um he says there that I bet she's going to enjoy this in town because he knows the way she was looking at Harper and flirting with him, and he doesn't seem to care. Yeah, and she, and, like, and then she, okay, she's the same way. She's like, "Well, you've been looking at Betsy." Yeah, she finds him like, and, "Oh, you like Betsy?" And, and the guy's like, "Well, you're like, oh, I know my way around." Like, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like <laughs> "Fuck yeah!" yeah. <laughs> uh, and so at this point, um, very loose morals. Very loose. Um. And especially in the 60s, like, they're supposed to be, like, everybody's supposed to be all, like, everything was all prim and proper and, you know. It's the good. beginning of the counterculture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the phone rings in the room. going to smoke doobies. <laughs> uh, the, the, so the phone rings, and but it, it's such an old school phone. It's ridiculous. It's got the kind of, it has, like, the Oh, yeah. The it's handle, got the handheld earpiece. The, handle, just, the just separate earpiece. Separate earpiece yeah, that you hold one hand. And then, like, the tube. The that, receiver, that which is, like, into. a tube. Yeah. <laughs> You speak into it. Like the very first phone style. Yeah. Um, like Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah. Like an updated version of that. Um, and it turns out it's Betsy on the other end, and she's asking John to come see the town with her. He agrees, but he tells the wife that it's the mayor, that the mayor wants to see him. But she sees right through yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, she calls him and says, you sure that wasn't Betsy? Um, and she goes on to say that anything my baby boy Blue can do, I can do better so basically, she's insinuating that if he cheats on her, that she can do it too and do it better than him. That's exactly what I got from that. I don't know how else you would take that. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> so John kisses her. He leaves to meet with Betsy down in the lobby, and he suggests that they start to tour at Lover's Lane. So Ooh. there's like this no shave in this case. Like, right off. Hi, wife. Love you. Kiss. I'm going to go fuck this other girl right now. <laughs> right off the bat. I want to get my dick wet. <laughs> yeah. What do you say, Betsy? <laughs> So uh, as they leave, the camera pans over to show Harper, who he gets up and he goes to the phone. Now he calls B, and we repeat the same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Um, she's like, "Hey, you know, I want, I want to make sure." But she's like, "I want to make sure I'm packed for the barbecue." He's like, "Oh, I, you'll be there for the barbecue. You'll be there. For the I bar- promise you you're that." You're the guest of honor, and that gets said way too much as well. You're the guest that, of that honor. That line, yeah, guest of honor said, "Oh my god, if you play a drinking game to the, every time that was, you would be." Passed out drunk halfway through this movie. You'd piss yourself from all that moonshine you've been hey, putting speaking down. Speaking of drinking, uh, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm gonna take a little uh, shot here of my Southern Comfort because they have to have a drink for the occasion. What else are you gonna do with a Southern movie than some Southern Comfort? Well, sir, that'd be mighty neighborly of you if I could mm. also take a little, little Ooh. nip of that Southern Comfort. Thank so, you, sir. Thank you. Wet your whistle. So, as they're talking on the phone, the Stooges are behind Harper, and again, every time they're mentioned, like. Yeah, you'll be there for the barbecue. They're like school kids, are like laughing in the back, like, <laughs> like every time. It's not stop. Well. It's it's so annoying. So anyway, we cut back to um, Har- we cut to Harvard B, and they're walking hand in hand. So she's already holding hands with this guy. And then it just shows them make it out. Yeah. So both these guys, like, I don't know why these two are even married at this point. Right, right. What's going on here? They're sitting down by the river, by the by the river crook, and yeah. And um, so she asks him what he does when he's not having centennials, and Harper just pulls out a knife and wants you to feel how sharp it is. Now, if that's not creepy enough, like, what do you do? Oh, here's a sharp knife. I want you to feel it. Feel my sharp knife. Did you notice the voice changed here? 
and I couldn't tell if it was bad film quality, but he's got a southern gentleman kind of nose, and I'm, all of a sudden, he sounds like this. <laughs> feel, I think I missed that. Feel my knife. So, yeah. Um, so, and she's like, with good reason, B's like, a little hesitant to do that. Yeah, good on you. You shouldn't do that. Uh, but she slowly starts to reach out, reach out for it, and Harper grabs her hand and just cuts, like, a pretty deep cut into her thumb. She's screaming at the body. like, I'm bleeding. Look at and she's freaking out, screaming, demanding that he fix it. Harper says, fine, I'll fix it. Grabs her hand and then proceeds to cut her thumb off entirely. And it's not a sleek, like an easy cut. No. Like, he grabs her hand and he's sawn through bone and yeah. she's screaming and blood's everywhere. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, so now we cut to Bia, who's crying in pain in the mayor's office. And demands... Well, Harper's hanging out background going... <laughs> yeah, he's just laughing. I told her it was sharp! Yeah, we got the mayor and Harper on each side of her, so she's sandwiching between them. And both of them are just laughing up and, and laughing and mucking it up. Again, nonstop laugh. Uh, the mayor tells her that he's a doctor and that this will require surgery. So in come the Stooges to help. Uh, the Stooges, and with the help of Harper, they clean off the mayor's desk and force B to lay down on it. And they're holding her down. They hold her down. Uh, one of the stooges grabs an axe from next to the fireplace, and with all the guys hooting, hollering, and laughing like hyenas, she's screaming. She's screaming. He chops off B's arm at the shoulder. She screams, and then just dies. Like, which is damn hilarious to me if you something because like you wouldn't die instantly from that. Well, it was the sixties, and you could die from shock. <laughs> <laughs> Like I get you told pure terror. I told you get you'd pass out, but she just like exhausted screams ah dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's no like phase out or like blacking out or you know I would have been totally fine with it if she was like ah and like just kind of like blacked out. Yeah, but no, she's like ah uh, dead. (laughs) That's it. Um, I will say though that it's 1964. The effect was pretty solid. Yes, Uh, it's not great by today's standards, of course, but I will say it's. It's bloody we've, we've and graphic. Seen, we, we've actually seen worse yeah. in, mind in, the, some, in the movies we've the done. The only part that was just like, oh, come on, guys, is when they, they the, the visual of the arm by her body was really gross. It was really well done until he picks it until up. Until he picks it up. And then he tells and it, it's, it's a, like a rubber stiff arm. mannequin arm. Yeah, it's like you a rubber arm. You just tell arm. right off the bat. It's just this, it's like, because the, the arm has a bend at the yeah, elbow. it's like a 45 degree bend. <laughs> and it's just like a mannequin arm. It's just not moving. Yeah, <laughs> It's not yeah. flopping or anything. Yeah, yeah I agree. That, it, it, once he picks up the arm, the effect goes away. Yeah. But the actual cutting off, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. solid pretty... effect for the time. I, I got to give it credit for that. Right, uh, right there with you. So we cut to Terry getting dressed in the room. Tom comes a knocking. And they have a conversation about, you know, there's something funny going on with this Centennial. Something doesn't feel right. And Tom thinks it's fishy that 100 years after the end of the Civil War that, you know, a southern town would want a bunch of northerners as their guests of honor, which leads them to think that something's really wrong. So he's already starting to come, you know. Well, I would say to quickly come up, like, that fast. It seems like a little, like, really? He's a clever school teacher, Marshall. I guess. He's on his way to Atlanta to, for a school, school conference. Con- yeah, conference. Convention. Yes, convention. Teacher con. <laughs> Teacher con 65. Teacher con 64. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tom tells her that he has a plan to contact a colleague of his uh, that's also going to the convention. And this guy is supposed to be an expert in American history, especially the Civil War. And he says that it, this guy will know what's going on. And if he doesn't know what's going on, he can, uh, if he can't give the answers, then at least he'll know where, they, where they're at. So right. somebody will know. He picks up the phone and tells the operator that he wants to make a long-distance call. 
Yes, that's right, kids. There was once a time, the long, long ago, when people had to use operators to make phone calls. And not only this is these operators. Operators would direct calls by plugging and unplugging lines into a giant switchboard in which they sat in front of. It was like magic. Wizardry. <laughs> Wizardry. <laughs> so the operator tells him that he can't make a long distance phone call from here. So Tom's like, all right, fine. You know, I'll go to, he's, he comes with the idea, okay, I'll go to a pay phone and I'll use that to get my message out, even if he has to disguise his voice with a southern accent. Dude, how long was that phone call process? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, operator, like to make a phone, long distance phone call. I like to go to Atlanta, hotel, like, dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. How much does it cost? He puts in all this fucking change, <laughs> yeah. pumps it out, says, thank you very much. You have a good weekend too. <laughs> God damn, come on, just get to the. Yeah, they show the. You're right. I mean, at the time, like the now, process now is... I do is dial number. You're fine, but the pro- yeah, for the time, it's like Jesus Christ. You're showing that whole process. Jesus. <laughs> it's like two minutes to make phone I, call. Exactly. <laughs> so we cut to Tom in the phone booth. Uh, he's talking to another operator, uh, trying to get through. The, and he gets through, and he asks the hotel manager to find his friend. And he's told that the friend isn't scheduled to show up till tomorrow. And so he leaves a message with the hotel manager uh, for his friend, but we don't get to hear what the message is because uh, the, the the vocals are cut out and were replaced by this ear-piercing, loud synthesizer music that's supposed to be, like, you know, tension, building or suspense, but it just hurts your ears. Yeah, the music is weird because you had that intro music, which was very organic music, like banjo like bluegrass, bass, yeah, but, bluegrass. but it was it was instruments very yeah. hard, like and then the rest of it's kind of like synthy like weird synthesizer yeah. type of sound so it's kind of a weird blend yeah yeah that's i you know i didn't really pick i did think about too hard but you're very right about that. honestly i like both of them <laughs> I, I did yeah <laughs> um so after you make some we cut right to the mayor's office where uh Mayor or boss hall, <laughs> yeah, mayor. Yeah. He's sitting at his desk, which, by the way, has no blood on it at all from a woman being having her arm chopped off on it. They keep things clean. Yeah, it's super in the clean. South. <laughs> uh, the mayor hangs up the phone while laughing to himself and saying, "Yes, sir, Mister Wright, I'll be sure to give your friend that message." <laughs> and he he proceeds to fold up the message into a paper airplane, lights it on fire, and throws it into the fireplace. Uh, the whole time, laughing. still laughing it up the entire scene. Like, what a weird thing to do. You're on the other end of the phone. You take the time to write down the message. Yeah. Fold it up. Burn it. Yeah. And I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, if you weren't, why would take it right in the first place? Just like, uh-huh. Some... I'm going to do it. I got it. Hang up. And then move on. That's some, that's some <laughs> psycho shit right there. <laughs> it is. It's so weird that they went through that whole process. Uh, so now we cut to the big barbecue. Night's falling. The town folks are gathered around a large fire while the musicians we saw earlier, they're playing. Uh, the crowd's cheering and clapping. The stooges are being stoogy. Uh, the, and Harper is uh, turning a spigot or spick or whatever. What, 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 spit. Spit, thank you. Over a fire. And on said spit is the now blackened and burnt arm of B. Yeah, you think you'd pick a piece of body or, or butcher it enough to make it indistinguishable than a human arm. Yeah, just, just a human arm on there. Uh, the mayor shows up, leading Beverly and David to the center of the crowd. Beverly looks directly at the arm on the fire and says nothing, nor does she re- really react to it at all. So to see a human arm being roasted She's on the fire. She's kind of like, huh, that's, like, all right. that's weird. And hell, so does David for that matter. Yeah. Neither one of them are like, holy fuck, that's a human arm roasting right there. 
we got to get the shit the fuck out of here. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> we got to get the shit the fuck out of here. Fuck. <laughs> uh, next, Betsy comes in. She's leading a really drunk John who's, like, stumbling and, and tripping. He's, he's, he's been having a great time. He's been hitting that moonshine real hard. That white lightning. White lightning. That's exactly what he says. Um, so David asks Beverly where B and John are. She says, knowing him, oh, B probably found herself another man. She usually does. So, again... These guys are just constantly banging other people that their friends even know about. Why are they married? I still cannot get this. Um, well, you know, the couple that bangs together stays together, I guess. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, Terry is also there, uh, and she does ask the mayor, like, what is that on the fire? You're like, what is that? And the mayor and of says, course, don't we worry about it's that? Just, it's just for the centennial. Uh, symbolic is the word they use, right? And, uh, and the mayor's like, well, where's that Tom folk? Where's that sweetheart of yours? Uh, but Terry's like, I don't know. And she's very adamant in the early part of the movie that they're not a couple. She just picked them up. They're, they don't know. They're, we're not a couple. He was a hitchhiker. Yes. So this is something, again, very dated. Very, nobody would pick up a hitchhiker anymore. 1964, well-dressed white man breaks down. Yeah, breaks down. Breaks down. Hitchhikers, hitchh- is hitchhiking in the rural south. Rural south, yeah. And a beautiful... Woman driving a convertible. Red convertible, yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll pick up the strange man on the side yeah, of the road. Yeah, it was before hitchhikers carried knives and guns and were, you know, killing I mean, everybody. I'm just, I'm just, what the fuck? Yeah. It, times were indifferent. Single woman, too, by herself. Yeah, no, yeah, it never happened. Nowadays. Never. So, um, the mayor sends his stooges off to go find Tom. And right after they leave, I mean, like, right after they leave, Tom manages somehow to sneak up behind Terry and has her follow her away from the crowd. Now, how he manages to sneak up on her without being seen to me is bullshit because there's, like, dozens of people around this fire. And what's even more is that this lock, nobody sees the two of them leave either. Like, he sneaks up and off. That's like, strange because they're the guests of honor. Yeah, you would think they'd be watched like a hawk. Front but, especially center, by yeah. once you know what happened at the end of the movie, how, you know, what happens. You wouldn't be left out of their sight. But yet they manage to sneak away easily here. Um, she He leads her to a small clearing and in this clear uh, clearing is a large rock that has a plaque attached to it. Uh, he shows her the sign, the plaque, and it reads, uh, it, it, this is what it says. In April 1965, a group of renegade, I'm sorry, 1865, a group of renegade Union soldiers laid waste to the village of Pleasant Valley and killed and mutilated many of its citizens. This marker is a memorial to the gallant citizens who gave their lives and a testament to the vengeance pledged in their memory. So there you go. Uh, Tom tells that this centennial is a centennial blood vengeance, and that we're here to be killed. So he, Tom, he, he's figured it out. Like, he gets it instantly somehow. Like he's just, yeah, got it. He's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Uh, and now this is where they hear the mayor and the stooges approaching them. So they go off running, uh, uh, and they head. They make it back to town and hide in a dark alley as the mayor and the stooges are like right on their heels, but they they lose them. Which is really pathetic because the, the shot we see was like they turn down this alley and the students are basically right there in front of the alley. And one of them like looks down yeah, and they're like, yeah. nope, don't know where yeah, we are. They, just, they give up that chase quick. <laughs> Real quick. Uh, so because Southern they, laziness. They give up so quickly because they want to get back for the big horse race. The mm, big horse race next event. The horse race. Horse race. So back at the barbecue, Harper tells David and Beverly that, they, that he's to take them back to the hotel because... They have a mighty big plans for the tomorrow, and he wants to make sure they're well rested. So they, he takes those two away, and so they're escorted. And the Stooges then grab the nearly passed out John, help him up to his feet. Uh, they ask, "Hey, John, have you ever been in a horse race before?" And John's like, "No, I don't even know how to ride." 
Don't you worry. You don't need to know how yeah. to ride a horse. That all he needs to know. How, all you need to do is know how to pray. Ooh. And they sent. They, then they drag him off with all the townsfolks cheering, following behind him. They drop him on the ground in front of several horses and attach ropes to his wrists and his ankles. Still people hooting and hollering. Every, yeah. Still people waving Confederate flags everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, and, of course, the other ends are attached to the horses. Uh, seeing that John's about to pass out again, they dump water on, him to, water on him to make sure he's awake and tell him that he's about to ride four horses at once. Uh, the crowd's laughing, cheering. And, like I said, have we, have we commented how goddamn annoying this laughing is throughout this movie? Because it's really annoying. And it goes on and, and on and on and on. Uh, so the horses are swatted, and they take off running, basically, you know, ripping John apart at the land. He's been drawn and quartered. Drawn and quartered, yeah. And we see one of his legs being dragged behind a horse, uh, which, again, I guess in the 60s, it would have been pretty... Uh, intense. Intense, yes, thank sure. you, thank yeah. you. Yeah, gruesome. Yes. Uh, so, after he's... Killed. There is kind of an awkward and weird moment here. Yeah, all of a sudden it gets real somber. Yeah, the, the camera is showing us the townsfolk. Like it's a wide shot and it's just panning through all these townsfolk. And there's Betsy. No one's talking or moving. It's uh, No one's hooting and hollering. No. Everyone's just like stone-faced. Yeah, and it's almost like the actors weren't sure what they were supposed to be doing. They seem to have... Or if the cameras were even on at this point. Because right. they're just like static. But they, static, weren't, they, were, they, they looked almost remorseful. Yeah. But it's so weird. Like, I don't... It, it's, again, the only one and done with this. It makes zero sense about the rest of this movie. Because they loved everything about... Yeah. The, wahoo, we're gonna kill him, You know, and then there's, they, it happens, and then there's that moment where they're just like, oh. And then, and then one uh, of the Stooges, like, Stooges comes he's up. angrily starts shouting, We need some music! music! This is Centennial! We're gonna have fun! We need music! He's, like, kind of trying to pump the crowd back yeah, up. And he, and he basically forces... Everybody into a sing along, and it's Dixie. The, yeah, it is. It's yeah. It's oh, thank I wish you. I was in the land of cotton. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Look away. Look, look away. Look away. Dixieland. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Dude, but, you know how I know that song? Like, all right, I used to know that song because I had a. In retrospect, I had kind of a monster of a fourth grade teacher who taught <laughs> us like slave songs and like. <laughs> <laughs> like all these weird Confederate songs, uh, she was just like real robust German woman. Yeah, it was, <laughs> dude, she was crazy. Um, but yeah, I just was so baffled by that scene where they just went silent because before they even showed that one guy who's looking remorseful, everybody else is just saying they're like, like the actors like don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Like, are the cameras rolling? What are we? What, what are we supposed to say there? Do we not say it? What, what's going on? Like, it's so weird. Yeah. Um. So we cut to next morning. David and Beverly wake up in their hotel room to the sounds of that sweet banjo music coming from the street outside. They're like serenading him. Yeah. They're standing outside the door. No, they're on the street uh, level. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. They're standing outside their window on the street level looking up. They're say anything, these guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big boombox with this banjo. <laughs> they're they're pulling out say anything to these guys. Who needs John Cusack when you got a trio of hillbillies serenading you on the street? Bluegrass, yeah. Um, but the song was good, too. I was like, this is catchy. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so David mentioned that he has the feeling that they're being separated from the others. So he's starting to catch on now, too, yeah. for something. Uh, he tries to call the other guests, but the operator tells him that none of them are in their rooms right now. They're all out, all wa- out walking around. Um, so David wants to get dressed and clear out as soon as the others get back. And he's suspicious 
uh, that he was told that John was up and wa- wa- taking a walk with yeah, B, which was great with because, his wife. Because he goes, he wouldn't want to walk around with her. And B, and seeing how drunk he was, he wouldn't want to walk around anywhere. Yeah. He probably shouldn't be up till noon. Yeah. He's like, he doesn't even get up till 10 on a normal day or something like that. So, yeah, he's putting, you know, some. He's putting the pieces together. Yes, he is. Uh, we cut to the mayor and his, and the Stooges back in the office. Uh, the mayor says that he's worried about Tom and he wants to watch closely so that, you know, they're, you know, double down on him. Mm-hmm. And there's a very short shot of some random townsfolk that just dump John's limbs, his the remains, into a lake. Yeah. Um, before we cut back to Betsy and David trying to convince uh, Vincent to come on a walk with her. Uh, and so, yeah, so Betsy again is trying to pull that same trick that they did with John. Like, oh, come with me, honey. She, again, she's supposed to be like the female version of Harvey. Like, they have these two... Two heartthrobs. The heartthrobs yeah. that you know try to seduce these guys. But it's like even the the husband he's been he's the good husband. He he's is being led away. Led away. He's like I don't understand why I can't bring my wife. Yeah, he's like I don't. Why am go. I not bringing my wife? And exactly. He's he's like he can tell he's really skeptical about what's happening. Yes. Uh, he, yeah. He's like I won't bring my wife. And so basically, Betsy just bats her eyes and says, "You wouldn't want to ruin the centennial, would you?" They use that line for everything. It's the centennial. It's the, You're you wanna, the guest of honor. You can't ruin it. Like. Bitch, I can do whatever the fuck. It's not my centennial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she tells him that they, she, they can't miss the barrel roll, which will start as soon as they get there. Now, if it's not going to start till David gets there, it would be literally impossible for him to miss it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, it's, it's like, wait a minute. Let's think about that line here. It won't start until you get here. Marsh with the scientific mind. We can't miss it, though. <laughs> it's like, What? <laughs> So David, he's led to the top of a large hill where the mayor and the students and the townsfolk await. They tell David that they're going going to roll this here barrel down this here hill, but first David has to crawl through the barrel because it's a ceremonial thing. You got to crawl through the barrel. You have to have a Yankee crawl through the barrel, and of course the barrel has got a Confederate flag painted on it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David says he'd rather not because of his bum knee. Yeah. Uh, but then everybody just gets upset. They're like, oh, like, they get so upset. They just basically force him yeah. into it. Uh, yeah, ba- yeah. The mayor, the mayor grabs him by the back of the neck. Like, and, like, the neighbor just like, get down and force him into the barrel. And they cross through. Now, I do have to say that he did not want to do it. But even at this point, he doesn't resist very much. He's no. like, he does not put much of a fight at all. Nor does he say, uh, nor does he say, oh, fuck that you know, it's like I'm not doing this, guys. Like he doesn't say anything. He's like, just he just lets this happen. Yeah. So he gets, he basically gets what they deserve. Um, which you know, obviously they're gonna kick you down the barrel as soon as you get into, you know, down yeah, the road. Yeah. I mean, it's plain as day what's gonna happen. Uh, so once he's in the barrel, the Stooges hold him in place again, barely because he's not even struggling at all. So I'm thinking they're just gonna roll him down the barrel. Yeah, you think, but of course not. They carry, they kick it up a notch. They do, they do. They start. The mayor then begins to hammer giant, like nine inch nails. Yeah, into the barrel. I was like, fuck. But, yeah. <laughs> once all the nails are in, and it's a lot of nails. I'm like, goddamn. They they roll the barrel down the hill. All the townies go running after the barrel. They chase it down. pushing it along. And tumbling down the hill with David screaming inside. flopping around in this thing. Flopping, screaming. Finally, it comes to a stop when it hits a fence post. The camera shows us the bloody nails, and then pans over to show David's bloody and punctured dead body. Foxville. Yeah. He's Uh, a pincushion. Now, at this point, the townies are laughing and cheering. So whatever, if they did have any remorse, it's gone gone now. now Because, damn, that was a good show. That was a barrel roll. (laughs) Um, and again, uh, they, they laugh and cheer before, again, they drag the body away and then dump it into the lake as well. Yeah. 
So back to the hotel. Uh, back Tom finds that uh, he's now there's a guard outside his room now. There's some they put a, a guard outside his room. He's got a guitar, and so he <laughs> uses the fire escape to sneak across to Terry's room, and uh, she's on the phone. She's also being told that everybody's not in the rooms, and she's actually on the phone with the operator. Like, yeah, Tom, he's not in his room. He's out on a walk right now. He's not there. Uh, and but then here he comes in through the window, uh, telling him, like, Shh, don't say anything. Um. Basically, they come with plans. They have Terry ask the guard to come into her room to help her fix, like, the sink or something. plumbing or something. Yeah. And then they just knock him out, you know, when he comes in. Uh, So they take off. They They knock him out, and they're making their escape. They're making their escape, but they're spotted by Harper basically as soon as they leave the hotel, and and he gives chase. Uh, (laughs) And it's a very... Weird chase. It is weird. It would be a long chase. So they start in town, but where they end up is like so far out of town. It's uh, yeah. it's the outskirts of town. It's the the wilderness. It's not really woods. It's just these plain. I don't know how to describe the, the landscape here. Um, but basically, Terrier then runs right into another pit of quicksand. So that's two weeks in a row. Two we've weeks had in a row. <laughs> we had quicksand. Yep. Um, I never realized apparently that the quicksand was so common in the South. Who knew? Because both of them are Southern movies, too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But apparently there's quicksand all over the South. (laughs) Uh, uh, So Tom helps her out of the quicksand as Harper closes the gap between them. So I love this. She falls in the quicksand, and he goes, oh, no, that's quicksand. (laughs) Come on, honey. Come on, honey. Come on, babe. You guys are strangers. Yeah. Are you sure? I thought that he's like, he's calling her honey. Like, wait a minute. You sure are getting friendly there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty casual. So, uh, so next it. Harper comes closing the gap on him. He's chasing out, but uh oh. Harper runs right into the quicksand. Right into as the well, quicksand. And he just sinks below the surface and sinks to the bottom. He's gone. So now instead of continuing to flee from the murderous town and all the towns that are trying to kill them. <laughs> Terry decides she needs to stop and slowly clean herself off in the lake. In the most awkward <laughs> way I've ever seen. And this is nothing more than a 1964 excuse to see a little leg. Yeah. So she's, you know, they're like, oh, they both walk. Like, they, they're That's so weird. They're escaping. And they just got away from the hillbilly. You think they'd be like, this is a great opportunity to make a lot of ground. Yeah. Nah, let's stop by this pond. <laughs> With covered with leeches, <laughs> she pulls up her dress and she keeps bunching it up yeah. as much, and it's so like awkward she can't, she looking. Can't, she refuses like the dress get wet, and she starts like washing off her legs in a very awkward way. Is yeah. it supposed to be sexy? Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't sexy to me. And then she reaches up, she like touches her lips and like brushes her hair back with this pond water. Yeah. <laughs> What? Yeah, it's it's and, really and he's, weird. He's like washing her shoes. It's his shoes. Like he, he's sitting in mud. Basically, yeah, he's sitting he in takes mud. his shoes off to rinse, to wipe the mud off his shoes, which he's already sitting in. And the and first like, rinses hers off too. I'm <laughs> so, like, like hey, we got got to keep these shoes clean. <laughs> like, this right. is the weirdest. He's like, what is going on? Like, it makes zero sense. None. They could have been gone. Like, just clear as day. They could have made their escape, but nope. No. <laughs> got to stop and. Wash it's off. not ladylike to have mud on your legs. All right, gotta wash that shit off. So, meanwhile, back in town, Beverly is escorted to the town park where a large, this large contraption is set up. Uh, this thing is like basically a giant wooden scaffolding that's at least about twenty feet high. Yeah. And on the top of it rests a giant fucking boulder. A fucking Looney Tunes boulder. Yeah, it's just like some the coyote would try to drop on the road runner. Exactly. <laughs> uh, which which the town is called the Teetering Rock. Now, below the rock is a platform 
uh, is a platform, and hanging off the side of the scaffolding is like a bullseye target on a pole, the kind you would see on a dunk tape. It's exactly what it is. So, you, so clearly you can see what's about to happen, what's going on here. <laughs> Again, there's the, <laughs> it doesn't take a genius to figure this yeah, out. Yeah, it does not. Uh, so one of the stooges tells Better that she has to be the judge of when old Teeter and Rock is going to fall, but she can't judge from where she's standing. No, she has to be the judge while lying on the platform. So, uh, <laughs> rightfully so, Barry's like, ah, no, no way. Like, I'm not doing <laughs> I'm that. I'm not doing that. She's trying to weasel her way out of it. We're like, she, go on her. And then she finally says, no, no, no. <laughs> and the students like grab her and they won't let her go. The mayor now shows up saying that it was a great barrel roll. It was a hell of a barrel roll. Uh, and Barry says like, I don't want to do this. I want to leave. And then again, once again, the mayor's like, you're the guest of honor. You have to lay down. Do as you're told. So it's a centennial. You don't want to ruin it. And Ugh. again, she continues to resist. But the mayor then says, "Yeah, it's our centennial, centennial, and you will do what you're told." And she says, "I don't like this." And he says, "I know, and uh, I know you don't, and I don't care." Now lie down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for again some fucking retarded reason, Barry's like, "Okay." I'll do it. And she yeah. lies well, down. No, they, they basically force her to. There's nothing. I mean, she's tried to she get admits. out of it. Tried no, to get out of it. Tried, okay. Well, she tried to get out of it. Tried to get out of it. Tried to get Got to try something different. Because it's, it's I, happening you know in I one would, way or another. You know what I would try? Uh, running. She was being held by the goons. They, they let her go to lie down on the platform. They held her the whole time. They even tied her down. I... I know they tired down once you get. I was gonna get they tired down. She was surrounded by these guys. I still would have been throwing some punches, <laughs> she's, throw some bows. She's <laughs> she's like a hundred and ten pound woman from nineteen sixty four. I know, but still, she's like, not like Ronda Rousey or anything. I get you know? that, but it's, even people in nineteen sixty four still had a, a sense of self preservation. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I still think some person, a woman sixty four would willingly lie down on a platform, clearly under the giant boy that's meant to fall on her willingly, I, without putting a fight up of some kind. I was like. I don't want to. I don't want to. Okay. Like, yeah. I don't get it. So. Guess uh, what? She's tied down. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all the times are gathered around watching her get tied down and smiling, waving their Confederate flags. Swinging uh, their nooses. Yes. Yeah, Stooge one says that he's, he gets first throw, but he misses the target. And the mayor orders Beverly to say, it ain't fallen yet. Uh, which is, I guess, her judge line. Like, you have to say this. Uh, and then another tiny throws, he misses. Uh, again, Beverly's forced to stay in the line. She's crying. She's crying. Uh, another tiny tries and misses. Uh, and then Stooge one decides he gets a second throw for some reason. Even though the mayor makes it so like everybody's going to get a chance here. But Stooge one's like, fuck it, I'm going right back to the front of the line. Yeah, what a dick. Yeah. Like, why does he get special treatment? Give some of the mother hayseed some fun. Exactly. Squash that Yankee. So uh, he goes through his 1920s and or Bugs Bunny pitching warm up. Yeah. Um, Swinging his arms around yeah, all crazy. Yeah. Kicking his leg up all high. Uh, throws the ball. This time hits the target. The platform that was holding holding the giant boulder falls, sending the boulder plummeting down directly onto Beverly, crushing her death in a bloody heap. Uh, the townsfolk just stand there nodding their head and smiling in approval. And when we next see Beverly, she's just a bloody mess. Now, again, I know this was the early 60s, but I'm pretty sure that if a boulder that size fell on her or anybody, the body probably would have been, like, exploded like a tube of toothpaste <laughs> <laughs> from the crushing force and the sheer pressure of this. But her body is just in way too good condition yeah, for yeah. this. I mean, that was, That's a hard effect to pull off. I get but, man, they could, it's, 
bad. Yeah, like, it's yeah, bad. It's I mean, that's, that's science. I mean, come on. I mean, she's bloody, but that's about it. Yeah, she would have been just destroyed. So we fade to black, and we back in on Terry and Tom, who are wandering around the town. They went back to town. Like, you were clean, clear, but they went back to the town. They were clear and clean. Clear and clean, yes. <laughs> uh, and they come across Billy, who he's the blonde kid who we saw kill the cat in the beginning the of the movie. damn Yankee cat. And this fucking kid is so annoying and obnoxious, and his goddamn accent is way too much. I hate this kid. Yeah. Um, Tom offers Billy a whole bag of candy if he can lead them to Terry's car. I like candy. I love candy. I want. He is so high pitched. Oh, I hate his voice. Uh, he so he takes he Billy leads them to the auto body shop where they find the car because the cars were gonna be taken apart the next day or something like that. Now I do love the fact that he basically used the child molesters playbook one hundred and one. Kid, you want some candy? <laughs> Sweet move. Blow this in. Well, hey, man, it was 1964. Yeah, they didn't that know. That still worked. Yeah. <laughs> that was gold. <laughs> so uh, we come back to the Marionette Stooges. They're talking about how they saved the best for last and that Tom is going to judge the axe-throwing contest and Terry is going to have to run the gauntlet. That's what they have in store for them. So Betsy now comes running in, screaming in her high-pitched, shrill voice that Tom and Terry have gotten away. Uh, so the mayor rallies the town, ch- basically gets a lynch mob here, and chases them down. Yep. Uh, back at the auto body shop, Billy mentions that he likes to drive, but his pa won't let him. So basically, Billy's like, Tom's like, hey, if you can find the keys, I'll let you drive. And he's like, all right, I'll go find them keys. And Tom and Terry have like a sweet, sweet moment in the car, and they end up kissing. Uh, but they get interrupted by the sounds of the angry lynch mob. Here comes the lynch mob. Yeah. Billy comes back with the keys. They start the car. They peel off right as the mob is about to get them. This is so weird. They take Billy with them. Yeah. If I saw that little brat with the keys, I'd be like, thanks. Whap. (laughs) Punch the shit out of Billy. Kick him away. And be like, I'm out of here. I I thought the same thing. Like, why why are they taking him with them at all? Um, So the Stooges ask the the mayor what will happen if they get to the state police, if they get away. And the mayor says, oh, don't worry about that because the centennial is almost almost over. over and it won't matter. So... Now we cut to the quote-unquote car chase. Dude. Uh, which is Tom and Terry being chased like a field on a dirt road by a group of townies in like this super old, rusted-out, beat-up truck. Dude, it is playing banjo hillbilly yes, chase music. Thank you, but the super intense action is highlighted by the sweet, sweet wang of the banjo. Man, it's, it's like straight-up hillbilly <laughs> chase music. It's like that scene in Forrest Gump when he's being chased by the bad guys the and bullies. The, the boys in the truck. And it's the same thing. I don't think there was banjo music in Forrest. But, so. but it was so it was so much better. Yeah. This was so much better. Oh, there's like a group of like these hillbillies. Like, they're like hanging out the truck. Like, they're like, yeah, Bang in the top. Him, like with pitchforks. Yeah. Like, oh, let's get him, boy. <laughs> and this thing's barely chugging yeah. well. It's, it's like... He's got this like muscle, <laughs> not a muscle car, but it's it's a V8 engine in this giant convertible, beautiful car. Just tr- you know, it's it can tell it's very strange driving. You can tell it can open up a lot more. Whereas the truck that's coming behind it, it looks very like to, far behind it, it looks like it's about to fall apart right. if it hits a bump too it's hard. Like, <laughs> like, this is what the Beverly Hillbillies use to move to you know Los Angeles. You know? Yeah. So they get to like they they turn down a road and and, and they get to like this uh, basically Tom just dumps Billy out of the car. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, and they, they and they turn onto the highway to make their escape. So now we cut to Tom and Terry. So, but they 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 get to the highway and then the hillbillies stop. Yeah, they don't give any more chase. 
They're just like, oh, dang, damn it, they got away. Yeah. They, Bitch, just get on the highway and drive. <laughs> yeah. You're not on a dirt road anymore. You can just keep on trucking. Exactly. You Literally. Can keep, yeah, you can keep on trucking. You might catch up with them. But they stop. They're yep. just like, doggone it, they got away. Them are darn damn like Yankees. Kicking their dirt. Kicking their feet Yeah, in they're dirt. kicking their <laughs> dirt. They're, they're throwing their hands down. They're going, ah, oh, Throwing the hats on the ground. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so now we cut to Tom and Terry. They're in like the local state police chief's office or something. And they're filling in the cop on what happened. And the chief says that there is no town named Pleasant Valley. And the cop wants to give him a breathalyzer because, you know, make sure they're not drunk. and Because you, know, you sound, this is a fishy, fishy story. Man, I wanted to see a 1964 breathalyzer. I did, too. Like, I, I wanted to that see what like. that fucking thing looked like. I did, too. I bet it was the size of a suitcase. Yeah. Everything, <laughs> it's got to be huge. Because he had to, he's like, I need to go get the equipment. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck yeah, let me see it. He's got to bring here, like, a fucking dolly, like, <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like right now it's the size of a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> just saying, I wanted to see how big it was. I did too. I really wanted to see it. Um, so we got now we cut back to the town where the Stooges are talking about how the two got away, but at least they got four of the six, and that overall this was a successful centennial. Up comes Billy whining and pounding about not getting his candy, being loud and obnoxious like he always is. Uh, and then Stooge, too, just, like, shakes the shit out of Billy. <laughs> yells at him for helping the Yankees get away. But Billy screams back, I'm going to go find myself a cat and have some fun. So he's like, I basically want to go kill another cat. Yeah, sure. Darn it. I, I got yelled at by the Stooges. I'm going to go kill me a cat. Uh, so now we go back to the chief along Talmateri, and they're trying to point out where on the road the town was. Like, what that road, that dirt road they turned off on, you know, uh, but the, the road itself seemed to have, have vanished now. Uh, again, the chief tells him that there is no town named Pleasant Valley in this county or even the whole state. And But he then goes on to say, this sure is peculiar, though. This sure is mighty, mighty peculiar. peculiar. Thank you. Terry finds tire tracks in the dirt. Like, hey, look, there's our tire tracks. And then the, the cop says something. Well, I'll be bailed, bugger dumb, bag dumb. Something, dong, something crazy yeah. like that. I mean, I can't even repeat it. I wish I wrote it down. Well, I'll be bigger damn, bigger dumb. I'm like, huh? You're right. Them is them tire trackies. <laughs> so they end up, they, they go off in the direction of the uh, of the tire tracks, and it leads to a clearing. Um, now, the chief tells him the story about this, uh, says, you know, there's this story around these parts. But how there used to be a town called Pleasant Valley, and he tells him the story about the Yankee soldiers come through, wiped out the town, and there hasn't been a town that name in 100 years. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> if you knew this shit already, why would you keep telling these people that there is no town? This is peculiar. You should have said, "Oh, that's the same town I hear for all these other stories. Maybe there's something to this." Since you were out of town, out of towners, you're obviously not from around here. You, how would you know these stories? Like. That is just stupid. Like, it makes no sense. <laughs> Dumbass hillbilly cop. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, the camera switches to, like, a wide shot of them in the clearing now. And we, and we see that they're standing, like, right in the same clearing with that has that large rock with a plaque yeah. on it. And yet, for some reason, they nobody it. sees no, it. Even no. what makes it even more retarded is that you clearly see Tom and Terry... One, they've been here before. Right. They've looked at And Terry is even looking right at the damn thing. She's looking right in the direction of this giant rock. You know what? She probably rock. sees it and just like, fuck it. Just get me out of here. Because <laughs> yeah. the whole time she's like, I don't want to go back. Yeah. Just, just get me out of here. So 
as they start to leave, uh, the rock then slowly begins to fade away from existence while like magic fairy music is played. Yeah. It's weird. It's not banjo or something like it's really you know, you it's expect, like fairy music. You expect Tinkerbell to yes! fly in. Yeah, it's bringing some dust on the rock right, and they can right. disappear or something. Um, so we fade away and in on Tom and Terry. They're driving down a, lo- a lonely stretch of road. They pull over. They talk about their experiences. Uh, Tom's like, well, time for me to go. Oh, no, they find Billy's noose in the back seat. <laughs> like, well, see, we aren't crazy because here's that. Here's Billy's. This Billy left it behind. Here's a cat killing noose. <laughs> here's his, the murder noose. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh. He's like, yeah, see, we're not dreaming nor crazy. Uh, so he's like, what time for me to get going? So he gets out of the car so we can start hitchhiking again because he's still got to make it to Atlanta. Uh, but Terry's like, get back in the car. Come back in I, here. I don't know why I mean, she's not selling. She doesn't have a southern. She's a Yankee. She's a Yankee. Uh, because after all the trouble he's been and that she's been in, she doesn't want to let him out of her sight. So she's in love with him now. And they she cuddles up to him and they drive off down the road towards Atlanta. Uh, we go back to the Stooges. They're hanging out down by the quicksand pit, or which really looks more like a quicksand river or creek or stream because it's long and narrow, not a yeah, like a pool. Yeah, uh, and they're talking about how good the centennial was, and that they hope the next one will be just as good, if not better. Uh, this Stooge Two wonders what the place will look like a hundred years from now, and that maybe they'll have rocket ships in the middle of the main street. And they well, they said they better get to sleep before the deadline, or they won't be around for the next centennial. They get up and start to walk off. Stooge 2 turns to the quicksand and yells, Come on out of there, Hopper. You hear me? It's time. And as they walk away, we see Harper rise up out of the quicksand, shout out, Wait for me! And then he chases after the Stooges. They walk into, like, the forest or, like, the woods. And then there's, but, like, as that happens, we have that, that splitting, you know, ear-splitting South Will Rise Again mm-hmm. banjo song plays as, uh, what you, what you, you guys... There you go. No, but no. See, that starts playing as like smoke or mm-hmm. mist just begins to fill the screen in the mm-hmm. forest or the woods. Uh, fade to black. Roll credits. Um, that that's two thousand maniacs. Two thousand maniacs. Two thousand maniacs. Now I do want to say a few things. I want to get through before we move on to favorite kills because I want to make sure I get this out before I forget. Um, some points that some giant loopholes I think in this story. Uh, one being okay. So obviously we figured out. All right, they're ghosts of the people that are killed in this town. Yes. Uh, so, and they come back every hundred years now to take revenge. Yes. So, but what bothers me is if they were all killed in 1864, but yet when we see them, they're all dressed in, in, in with modern, with, in modern clothes, clothes with modern haircuts, phones work, phone, they, phones. They know what phones are they in have the a, first place. They have an auto body shop. Uh, yeah, they know about cars, which they apparently ought to drive and have an uh, auto body shop. They know about phones, which for some wouldn't exist back then. Uh, also, the mayor makes a paper airplane, which again didn't exist in nineteen eighty in right. eighteen eighty four. Uh, and rocket ships, <laughs> rocket ships weren't even a a concept or an idea <laughs> in the Civil War. Like, how would they know about these things if they just came back from being dead 100 I'm years? so curious about that, too. I'm like, okay, there has to be, like, have they been witnessing the passage of time? Yeah. So when they rematerialize, they can make a town in their image to try and fit in with the actual and the fact, Okay, also, the streets were paved. Oh, yeah. Not dirt or no. brick. Yeah. Paved streets, modern buildings. It's like, no, there should have been, like, a straight-up, like, well, yeah, we already talked about the switchboard operator. Yeah, like they should, if they really wanted to make this, what I think would have made it better is if, like, the town was like an old, like, if you ever go to Tombstone, Arizona, uh, it's a perfect example. The mainstream Tombstone is still ex- pretty much exactly what it was 
in the days of Wild Earp. They didn't change. Like, the wooden boardwalks, dirt road, buildings are barely changed. Just up, update, you know, just not, I say modernized, but just maintained. Right. Uh, they could have done that with like a small town that just trashed yeah, it. And they, they thousand like, oh. people. And they, we lack it this week. Yeah. And they, they, know, like, this yeah. is how we like our town, Russ. Like, we haven't changed. We're you know, very, you know, we keep to our root. We really like our, we our keep heritage. ourselves here. We, you know. you know, and they make, oh, mm-hmm. it's, a, you know, it's like a town, lo- you know, flashback in time. They could have mm-hmm. just kept the town the same and been, a, and that would have worked. Uh, and that would have been, it still would have been fine. Uh, you still would have could have had the same twist any other ghosts. Yeah, but it at least would have made more sense because they didn't kill them in any modern ways. No. Everything they killed them was fucking rustic and barbaric. Yeah, like crushed by a fucking rock. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> so that's more like huge plot. There's so many things in the movie that they would have no idea what they were, or how to use them. And Billy's like, my pa would let me drive. Nobody drove. You wouldn't know how to drive. <laughs> Your pa wouldn't know how to drive. <laughs> Nothing See, makes sense. Weird, yeah, it's weird. I mean, is this a deal with the devil? Is it just ghosts that can build a town yeah, for a couple like, days? Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Yeah, and that really kind of, it really throws off the whole movie for but me. I, I got to tell you, it gives me a little bit of, like, I don't feel as, like, disgusted by the town folk then when I find out that they are you know, the ghosts, they're ghouls, they're basically monsters, if you will, because they're killing these people in fucking horrible ways. Yeah. And yes, I understand it's like a revenge thing, but still, oh, sorry, miss. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, I mean, it's you see these people, you know, cackling and laughing about doing this disgusting barrel roll thing that turns yeah. that guy into a fucking bloody mess, and they're like, wahoo! You know, so... All right, they're they're ghosts, they're evil ghosts. So that kind of made me feel a little better. I get that, and, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying you could still have that ending, but just why the modernization? Yeah, it, which really it's why, weird. It's so weird. It, it, it just I don't know. It bothers me a lot. Um, all right. Anyway, with that said, let's move on to favorite kills. Don't act like you didn't love it. Favorite kill. All right. Now, not a whole lot of kills in this movie, but I will say again for 1964 or 65. I would say very creative kill. Yeah. Very creative. And you actually saw more than I thought you would see. I totally agree. I was kind of, when, when you're like, okay, it's from 1964. I'm like, oh, shit. All right, well, let's see what we got. And I'm like, it's got to be pretty. Which, again, is why mm-hmm. I think, you know, in that time, that's when I think they gave rise to, like, there were horror movies, and then there were what they called the gore movies. And this was a gore or, movie. Like the beginning of Grindhouse films. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't a, it's a little, a, Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what, what's your uh, favorite kill this week? So my favorite kill has got to be the barrel roll. Okay. Because that is pretty unique. I thought it was pretty unique. I was like, okay, what are they going to do? They're going to roll them down a barrel and crash? Is it going to blow up? Or are they going to roll them into something? And then when they started hammering those nails in while they're holding them down, the whole town's like, you're like yeah! <laughs> I'm just like, oh, <laughs> this is going to be real messy. And I was thinking to myself, how can you get out of this? I'm like, man, you're pretty fucked. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, okay, uh, with the drawn quarter, I mean, you might be able to get wiggle your hand free, maybe just one, or, you know, maybe the horses are a little off and you have a little bit of time to do something. Just slim possibility, right? Right. Okay, maybe that. With the guy holding the axe, chopping the girl, maybe you can kind of fight and struggle away. With the rock crushing you, you might same thing. You might be able, like they're throwing that. You know, they're you might be able to get away. This you're in it. They're holding you down, and then they just kick you. 
you're pretty much done. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's not a lot of getting away. Yeah. You might be able to scramble out, but you're going to be full of holes and long, <laughs> long nails. I mean, all of your vital organs is going to pop, 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 pop. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, 100% agree with you. Mine was a barrel roll as well. Mm-hmm. For exact same reasons you said. Uh, no need to go into it. Barrel roll it is. That yeah, was the best. Barrel, that that was, was the best kill of the movie. That was the best, best kill. Yeah. By far. Um, all right. Very quick. Very simple for this week. Uh, no, no discussion there. Let's move on to odds and ends. Not only did they watch these films, they researched them too. Ugh, what is wrong with these guys? All right, ratings. IMDb gives it 5.9, so we'll call it a 6 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Tomato is a 36% on the thermometer, uh, or tomato meter, and um, a 49% audience score. Hmm. So not, not bad. bad audience. I mean, mm-hmm. 50-50, one out, of, one out of two people like it. Um, and Amazon gives it a 3.5 out of 5. Um now, there's an asterisk with this one. That's because um, when we get to five-star reviews, there are only two reviews on the whole movie. So, that's <laughs> not much to go on. Right. Um, plot keywords, none. Uh, just, nobody put anything. Or, wait a minute. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I might have just forgotten to write them down. <laughs> I don't think there were any, but I may have actually like, forgotten to write them. Confederate flag yeah. news. I, I, it's one. Either, it's either Civil there were none, or I simply forgot. I wrote down plot keywords, and then I forgot to go back and fill that in. <laughs> 1964. <laughs> uh, trivia, however, there was uh, a decent. There was a handful of trivia for this week. So, um, so uh, according to what I was able to dig up, many of the buildings from this movie, including the Hunter Arms Hotel where the large portion of the movie was filmed, still exists in a town called St. Cloud, Florida. Uh, director Herschel Gordon Lewis was often, has often cited that 2000 Maniacs as was his, uh, his personal favorite of all of his films. Uh, it was filmed in only 14 days, so that's kind of impressive. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis novelized his screenplay into a tie-in book, the original edition of which is now highly demanded by collectors. So there's mm. a tie-in book as well. Uh, the comic book that Harper is reading in the hotel room is called Heartthrobs, issue 87, cover dated uh, 1963 to 1964. Uh, now, this one I'm not, I can't 100% confirm or deny. So, excuse me. So take it for what it, so take, you know, do with it what you will. But supposedly this film inspired the American rock band 10,000 Maniacs as their name so i don't know but that's what was there um isn't that a i'm such a fool for you i got me wrapped around your finger <laughs> am i gonna have to keep singing that's cranberries lingering. oh shit you're right fuck then does the maniacs was uh wasn't it the one with the uh and i wake in the morning and i step outside no and that I... was four non-blondes four non-blondes thank you <laughs> <God damn. laughs> Oh, 10,000 Maniacs was the Natalie Merchant yeah. before she went solo. And there's, uh, fuck, I forget what song they had. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. We're really bad at singing. Yeah. And we're really bad at, like, alt-rock 90s <laughs> women. You know? <laughs> Both of us are rock. <laughs> we're just horrible. Oh, all right. Well, fuck it. Uh, this was the film debut of Illinois stage actor. I'm going to butcher this guy's fucking name. Taalakis. Uh, blank uh nicknamed talkie uh his name is spelled t-a-a-l-k-e-u-s so pronounce that how you figure out how to pronounce that shit um 
who goes by a stage name Jeffrey Allen. <laughs> like, Good choice. Uh, who he's the one who played the mayor in this movie, um, and he would later appear, like I said, uh, in some of the in Love Hurt, mm-hmm. also playing the southern gentleman guy. And when I found this, it makes so much sense that this guy was a stage actor because he's so over the top, so loud, so loud, mm-hmm. and just so all of his movements emo- are like, he, real it's like big. He's forgetting he's not on stage. Like yeah. he doesn't have to be as big. He's he, clearly... he needs to be seen in the cheap seats. Yeah, you know, I'm acting for the people in the cheap seats. Yes. Like, well, dude, you're on camera, so. Uh, the plot for this gore movie was inspired by the musical Brigadoon from 1954. And uh, this film was reportedly shot in an area of Florida that is now occupied by Walt Disney World. Yeah. So I guess maybe like the, the, where, the I guess, quote unquote, swampy or woody areas where the quicksand was, maybe that got bought up by Disney. And, now it's Epcot Center. Now, yeah, now, <laughs> who knows what it is. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what I got for trivia for this week. Well, it's funny. When you talked about that stage actor guy, just the delivery of dialogue in 1960s movies. Yeah. It's so stiff and wooden often. You know, hey, what's the big idea here, buddy? Yeah. You know, that kind of acting, that kind of stiffness. It Very. takes you back. It's like a weird time machine feel. It really does. You know people like that in the 60s didn't talk like that. No. I'm you're sure just... they were much more natural like we are right now. Yeah. But it's just that weird, stiff I'm acting. Here we are on TV. You know, I know. It's, yeah, it's it's so weird. I thought about I think about that all the time. Like even dating back, like you know, the, like even before, like yeah, like 50s, 60s, all mm-hmm. that weird. It's like, like there's no way people would have talked like that. It's it's a great point. Yeah, it's it's so, so wooden. Weird. Yeah, and awkward and hacky and stagey. Yeah, it's real weird. Uh, we get a real treat though today. Because, like I said, we're, we went back in time. So now we get to play the back in time budget game. <laughs> they spent how much? The budget game. Uh, that is correct. Aaron, you get to play the 1964. 1964? <laughs> the budget for 2000 Maniacs in 1964. Good luck on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Uh. I was so happy I saw the budget because I was like, "Oh yeah, ten dollars and two nickels." Yeah. I don't know. Hold on. Uh. Whew, not eighteen sixty four budget. Nineteen sixty four. Uh Jesus Christ! <laughs> you know what? In the theme of two thousand maniacs, I'm going to win two thousand dollars. Oh Jesus! Come really? All right, two thousand dollars. I don't know. <laughs> I I'm one. I suck in this game anyway. Two. We're going 1964 money. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Fuck. All right. Two thousand dollars is your guess. How about twenty thousand dollars? I don't. I don't. Okay. Two two thousand dollars. Fuck it. Let's $2, just do it. Okay. Budget for two thousand maniacs. Nineteen sixty four. Sixty five thousand dollars. Wow. I mean, honestly, I would not have guessed that, but geez, sixty-five thousand dollars. Sixty-five thousand. But who? What was it made by a studio? I mean, I wasn't paying attention when it first started rolling. So. Like, was it a big name studio? Like, I don't know what the studio. Yeah, what big I mean, names. it wasn't like MGM or Universal, like those big names. But I right. mean, still, it was. I don't know, sixty-five thousand dollars, man. <laughs> That's still a pretty hefty budget for 64. I'm saying I'm sure. it's very hefty budget. Uh, Yeah. Let's say we double or triple that even. 
I wish I could have found like box office numbers, like what, it, how much this made in theaters. I can't right, find that. I right, would love right. to found that movie. You know, what I'm sure that we numbers. can. I'm sure that we can easily can. You know, if we just took ten minutes on the internet, we, we could, could math this out. We probably, can, we could math do, yeah, do some math. Totally. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's. That, that's that. Let's move on to five star reviews. These special movies have a place in these special people's hearts. Five star reviews. All right, like I said, there are only two views, entire reviews on Amazon for this whole movie, <laughs> so neither of which were five stars. <laughs> there, there was one four star and one three star, so we're getting both of them because why not? Got. That's all you got. And four star review from Kenny Maddox simply writes, this movie, all right, four star. <laughs> so apparently he was so late, he couldn't write is all right. He couldn't take, take the time to write, you know, do some proper grammar, just movie, all right. Movie, all right. <laughs> uh, and three star review from Dave and Allie. This one's a little more well-written. Uh, these 1950s, 60s, 70s movies really show us a glimpse of America as a slice in time, which is pretty much all this movie really does. As the story goes, it has more holes than you can count. The real gold is the old cars, the clothes, hairstyles, and unpaved streets. Bullshit, there was a main street was paid, motherfucker. Um, uh, and how a group of people are blatantly portrayed, in this case, white Southerners in 1965, celebrating the centennial of the end of the Civil War by actors who probably are not Southern, but definitely thought little of them. There are more nooses, banjo-picking Dixie songs, and Confederate battle flags to make any race, racist blush. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but don't worry, the hatred is reserved squarely for white Yankees in need of some killing. Think the Beverly Hillbillies meet the Manson family without a laugh track. Three stars. It's a great review. <laughs> yeah. That's a great review. That is a good review. So that's that was <laughs> enough, all I think. <laughs> Confederate flags and nooses to make a racist blush. That's great. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> finally let's you know, wrap this up. Final thoughts here, Aaron. What break it down for us this week? Well, it's a tough one, man. Um because it is. You it you got you have to consider the time it was made, nineteen sixty four, before really gory hardcore movies were ever, ever made. And this is something that was a gory, probably more obviously lesser known. I mean, this isn't psycho, this isn't vertigo or Andrew or Alfred Hitchcock esque. Yeah. Um, you know, this is beyond, you know, Vincent Price type of movies and beyond Universal Monsters. We actually see blood and gore and, you know, disembodiment and, you know, some pretty graphic stuff uh, for, you know, getting it kicked off. So you have to appreciate that. At the same time, I'm watching it as a 2017, you know, horror fan. And, yeah, it's just really fucking weird. Uh, I mean, it, it, the way the reviewer described it also earlier, it really is a slice in time. The cars are cool, you know? I mean, the scene, the 1960s cars. I, I found it odd that both cars were convertibles. Yeah, but... It's I, like, it makes you, like, that's all... Like, why it, You could have mixed up a little bit. Have a convertible, have, a, like, a old station wagon, Woody, or something like that. Like, both people, everybody's driving a convertible. Like, eh, not everybody were, drove a convertible. But they were cool. Yeah, they were. They, they were. The, that the, Terry's red convertible was pretty mm, sweet. That Terry yeah, red car. Yeah. Totally. So I'm because for its time, because for its efforts, because it 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 helped pave the way. I'm gonna say so bad it's good, but I'm not saying it's a good movie. You know? yeah. I mean, God, you'll be so annoyed with all the you're the guest of honor, <laughs> Centennial banjo, <laughs> hoot nanny, hold down. All right, so but let's yeah. make it simple. Break it down. So bad, scary, so bad, scary. As would you just look at? Would you recommend somebody to watch this movie? 
And take it that way. And use that as your measuring stick. For a horror fan, yes. I'd say yes. Okay, so because, so bad because it's it's uh like we mentioned earlier, you have to give credit to the past. You just have to I mean without it, we wouldn't have what we have today. Right. You have to give credit where credit's due. So yes, I would recommend watching. Okay. Um I'm I'm the same place you are. I tear back and forth on so bad because I was like, ugh. Because it is goddamn annoying. It really is. I mean, Billy, I want to slap that kid silly. All the laughing from the Stooges, the heavy, over-the-top accents, and the constant use of Guest of Honor and, and Centennial just makes you want to hit your TV with a sledgehammer. <laughs> uh, but I agree with you at the same time. I'm looking at, like, for the 60s, this was probably pretty bold and pretty, uh, I don't want to necessarily maybe cutting edge, I don't know, but pushing the envelope, we'll say. Extreme, yeah. Um, so from a horror standpoint, again, I'll say the, as a history lesson in horror or like something like I would say so bad it's good that it's worth the watch just for a second to see where it came from, how we've gotten to where we are today. Um, honestly, you could almost just watch it on mute and probably get the same effect just without all the goddamn annoying music and, and, and accents and just see it. Uh, but yeah, I was, I'm, I've, I think I am gonna go so bad it's good, but there will be like a little asterisk by it. You know, it's not a it's not a good movie, but that's that's how I feel too. But so bad it's good. It's worth watching for especially for diehard horror fans who want to see it's like, like we, where how things began way back in the you day. You said it perfectly as a history lesson. You know, if you want to look at horror as a history lesson, this is a great one to watch. Uh, I am going to put an asterisk by this one, so <laughs> uh, I, I remember this for later. Uh, okay, Aaron. You have some stuff to talk about. Yes. So take it away. If people are still listening, don't 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 shut us off yet because Aaron has some stuff to announce. <gasps> we are going to be going to be doing a giveaway for our one hundredth episode. We are going to be giving away a t-shirt and two beer koozies, as well as five count them five one two three four five of the movies we have reviewed. And I will go ahead and tell you what those movies are because <gasps> I am a bold motherfucker. Oh. And we have for you Lovers Lane. We have for you Pork Chop. Pork Chop Two. We also have. Don't fuck in the woods, and I'm forgetting my last one. Black Sheep, everyone. Black Sheep is the last one as well. So we are going to be posting that on Instagram tonight, right after we get off. Right after we get off the, I was going to say phone. <laughs> <laughs> right after I get off the mic here, I'm going to go ahead and post that on Instagram so we can get that rolling, and we will announce the winner next week on our 100th episode. What? 100th episode. Pretty excited about that. So, for all of you who are interested in entering, please go to our Instagram account. Horrible Horror Podcast is our Instagram tag. So, it's horrible underscore horror underscore podcast. Follow us there. If you're already a follower, you're going to see it when I post it. Uh, So, yeah, be pretty awesome. So, what you'll need to do is just tag us and repost. Share with your friends. Get some more people listening to us. And thank you very much for listening. We will do a random draw uh, probably right before we do the start recording next week. Uh, and you did an exit job talking about where they can find us on Instagram. Uh, where else can they find us, Aaron? Well, Marshall, they can also find us on Facebook. That's, oh, Facebook. That yes, little place. Yes, little yes, yes. They can find us on Facebook. And they can find us on Twitter, <gasps> too. Tweet, tweet. Yes, yes. Now, we are so bad it's scary for Twitter. That's our Twitter handle. Yep. That's so bad it's scary. And if you want to listen to us, you know, guys, we have iTunes. We have Google Play. We have Podbean. And we stream from our website, HorribleHorrorPodcast.com. Again, that is HorribleHorrorPodcast.com, where you can stream all of, all of the episodes, look at some of the stuff we have on our website, 
leave messages for us, give us a heads up. You know, we like all the to good interact. Stuff. All the good stuff. Aaron, you that was quite well done on the shameless plug. I, <laughs> I'm a whore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Call you Betsy from now on. Ooh la la. All right, guys. Thank you I very much, Moogans. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with 100 episode. 100. We will have a special full house. We will have an all-star cast here. We are going to have not one, not two, but three. Three guests. Now watch them all cancel on me before we get this. We're going to have three guests uh, as we go over a surprise movie for our 100th. Keep follow us our Facebook page and we'll post the movie on probably Wednesday. What what movie we'll be doing? Are you going to give a hint? I am not going to give a hint. Um, uh, mm, oh, maybe I should give a hint. Uh, we'll say. How about don't fall asleep? Yeah, there you go. Don't fall asleep. Good enough. Yeah. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> Good enough. We're around on now. Good enough. We'll be back next week. Uh, thank you for listening to me, much, Moogoons. And in the meantime, watch more horror and always remember to keep it tight. Yeah! Oh!